0: just build on something that we're talking about here. I think sometimes that we conceive of change wrongly. And I think that we seek the right term and the right outcome in terms of transformation. But we conceive of transformation wrongly, so when it knocks on our door, we ignore it. When it takes us by the hand, we shirk it. When it presents us with a miracle, we neglect it. And part of the wrong conception of change, I think, is coming to us from a determinalistic theology that really has flavored all of Christianity, not just Reformed theology. But it's this notion that God is solely responsible. It's monergism, that there's only one player, one one actor. Instead of synergism, that there are, there's, one, there's, one, there's only one who can empower change, but he needs our compliance and participation in that arrangement. And so some of the biggest obstacles to transformation, in my view, might be illustrated in a, in a, in a simple, perhaps crude example. <clears throat> okay? And, and bear with me for just a minute here. If, if I wanted to travel to um, Montana with a fifth wheel, and somebody had lent me the trailer, but I didn't have the vehicle, I have a minivan. So if I, if I didn't have the vehicle, then I would perhaps go acquire a truck like Brother Zach's. It's a 350, F-350, it's got the, it's got the engine, it's got the transmission, it's got... The structure, it's got the weight, it's got the braking system, it's got the suspension, etc., etc. And then I might seek the counsel from that position of advantage. I might seek the counsel of, say, a Brother Howard. Brother Howard, what do I need to change my situation to best pull this big fifth wheel? I'm speaking to RVers, right? (laughs) (laughs) And Brother Howard might say to me, because he's an expert at these things, he might say, You know what? I'd go ahead and get some airbags for the back end. And why don't you get this brake module? It's, it's better than the one that's built into it. And, you know, they have these cab lights and your visibility is statistically this or that improved. And, okay, thank you, Brother Howard. And so I'd go to my wife, well, we're, we just need to get some airbags. We need to get some, a brake module and some cab lights and we're set to go. That's the kind of change that we expect from God. And we expect that we will come to meetings and he will just kind of download something onto us. Like, there's a brake module. There's some cab lights, Slap it on there. Perfect. All right, now here's some um, airbags. You're good to go. And we pull out of the meeting all full of optimism and sure we're going to win. And it's like, this isn't happening. We don't feel the power of the promise. And what we've just described is is a vehicle that is pretty much sufficient, but that just can be improved with some accessorizing. But that is not at all the way God changes human lives. It would be more comparable, at first I thought, no, it would be more comparable to taking my Chrysler minivan and going to Brother Howard and saying, how can I pull a fifth wheel with my plug-in hybrid Chrysler minivan? I know that he would just crack up laughing. But if let's just say it was an emergency. Let's say life depended on it. Let's say God required it. Let's say I had to do it. What kind of change process would start happening to that poor minivan? Well, in short, it would not stay a minivan. It could not stay a minivan. It would go into a welding shop. Wheels would come off. Chassis would be welded onto it. Everything that makes it a minivan would go away. And everything that would make it something capable of pulling this fifth wheel would be added to it. It would not be a couple accessories. It would be a full-scale remake God does not want to add an accessory to your life. He wants to remake you. Amen. Uh, this is so important. And the shop where he remakes you is discipleship. The shop where he pulls off those wheels and realizes you don't even have the plate to take the right size wheel, that's discipleship. And if you don't want to undergo that kind of changing, just give up on the whole process. But if your life depends on becoming this person who can bear the purpose of God unto your family, unto your friends, unto the world, into the future, if in short you cannot be satisfied with your excuse that you're a minivan, then you're going to go down to a shop and you're going to become something different. And you're going to stay there until you're not who you are. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you go down to Cuba right now, they have had an embargo against them so that no automakers for decades have been able to sell them any automobiles. Do you know what you're going to find if you go to Cuba? you're going to find that all the 1940s and 50s models of car are still on the road working. Because failure and decay and dilapidation was not an option. So every time something rusted through, they had to replace it. It's an, it's an odd thing to see. All these fancy-looking, polished-up 1950s cars Everywhere. And you're like, where did these come from? These don't last that long. Well, they don't last that long in a culture and environment that allows them to fail. But they will last that long when there's no option but success. Do you see what I'm getting at? And there's no practical standard route. You can't go Google how to convert a minivan to pull a fifth wheel and get a pop-up. There's no pat little way to be transformed in that way but if you'll come to god and you'll let him take the pieces off that the world has assembled and your experience has assembled and you'll say god change me lord remake me conform me to the image of your son he can make you into who he wants you to be it's not going to be a fun process but he can do it now there are two scriptures that speak powerfully to me about transformation in the New Testament. Can we look at those quickly? One is going to be Romans 12, 2-ish, maybe one. And the other is going to be 2 Corinthians 3, 18. So let's just look at these scriptures. Okay, let's look at Romans 12, 2. We all know this by heart, but let's listen to it again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Okay, let me just stop you right there. I beseech you. You do not beseech someone who is a passive observer to what God is about to do. You beseech someone to engage them to participate and make what God's about to do a reality. So the very word, I beseech you, shows an urgency on the part of the apostle that says, Guys, you've got to engage. Amen? Passive, hang there like a coat. on a a hanger attitudes, won't do this. So I I beseech you, I beg you, I alert you and elicit your attention is what that means. Go ahead. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So here's a scripture that speaks of minivans getting turned into F-350s. (laughs) It says, do not be formed by the patterns of this world. So the world's patterns form you. That word for form is is the word dikos, if I'm not mistaken. Dikos, dikos. And it means diecast. I've used forms like that before. I made a nativity set when I was about 12 years old. And I poured soft porcelain into a pattern of this world. Into a form. <clears throat> Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Into a diecast. And when I poured that soft porcelain in... I wasn't shocked by what came out. I didn't go, oh wow, it's a a shepherd this time. Last time it was a grizzly bear. I wonder what it'll be next time. When you pour soft material into a fixed form, you get the same results. You get predictable results. Can anybody say predictable results? Predictable results. God has a pattern that will give you predictable results. And the world has a pattern that will give you predictable results. And Paul says, don't be conformed. Don't be poured into the mold of this world. And the way you break that mold is you change your mind. So the mold that locks around your soft porcelain material is in your head. You've got a way of thinking. You've got plausibility structures and you box in God's power and potential in the four corners of your brain. And if you would change your perspective, you would transform your existence. That's what he's saying. Be transformed by renewing your mind. Do I seem adamant? Because I'm trying to break through your mind that says transformation is God's problem. It's your problem. The problem is right up here. This is what prevents transformation. And if you can break apart the false mold here, you can take on the shape of who God intended you to be. Let's hear this one now. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So this one says you're going to be transformed by changing and renewing your, by keeping your mind new. So old mindsets prevent transformation. Old perspectives, old attitudes prevent transformation. This one says you're going to be transformed by looking at a mirror. Isn't that right? Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So you've got to stop. You've got to change the mindsets that prevent transformation. And you've got to flood your knowledge, your heart, your thoughts, your mind, your eyes with the glory of God. You've got to break apart the old mold and you've got to saturate yourself with the new mold, with the new pattern. In Philippians, Paul uses the same word. I think it's in Philippians 3, either 9 or 19, but you'll find it in there. He says, in the same chapter where he says, I have not been perfected, I have not already attained. Then he goes down to the bottom and he says, You have us as a pattern. And that word pattern is dikos. It means diecast. It means a mold that you pour soft material into. So he just said, I'm not perfect. But then he said, Us, the body of Christ in his day, represented a mold, a form, a pattern. And if you would pour your life into it, you'd take on its shape. And you wouldn't pour it in one day and say, a shepherd and another day and say, a grizzly bear, what happened? Do you understand? If if we are getting different results, we are adopting different patterns. The external results of your life reveal the unspoken patterns of your mind. If you are not changing, your mind is stubbornly sticking to the wrong perspectives, to the wrong attitudes. And if your mind would be renewed, your life would be transformed. So here he says, we need a mirror in order to change. And he says, this mirror is going to show us God's glory. Where else do we know that we need a mirror in order to change? Is it James 1.25? What does he say? In James one twenty five, he who peers into what? The perfect law, the perfect law that brings freedom. Amen. Or the perfect law that gives liberty. And does he says he must peer intently into it and not forget. He's going to be blessed in what he does. So there is a kind of transformation that is going to come to you. When you see how ugly you are in the mirror. And then there's another kind of transformation that's going to come to you when you see God's glory reflected in the mirrors of your brothers and sisters. Okay? Let's just imagine that Zach's face was a mirror. And he was looking at God. And I walked in. What would I see reflected on Zach's face? I would see the Lord. Do you understand? If it was bright sunshine out there and I wanted to torment Jed, I could make the sun reflect onto Jed's face until it burned. You know, kind of like who's doing that to me? Nobody here's ever done that, but I'm just saying. You know, what would I be doing? I would be using my 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 mirror to show you something beyond both of us. So when he says we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, he's stuck saying in the unveiled faces of our brothers and sisters. Paul says it's in a glass darkly. It's not a perfect reflection. It's not a crisp mirror. But it's enough of a mirror to send light into my life from the faces of those who are looking to God. What does the Bible say in Isaiah? Then they will look to Him and they will be... (laughs) Do you see it? Do you see it? There are people in this room who do not look at themselves, who do not look at their ambitions, who do not look at their images, their fears. There are people in this room who live their lives looking to God. And thus, they are radiant because they reflect back to you the glory of the Lord. As in a mirror, it's not perfect. It's in a glass darkly. And someday you'll see Him face to face. But you see enough of Him even in the tarnished glass of your brother's visage, your brother who is fixed on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Hallelujah. So the mirror will do you two favors. The mirror will show you how ugly your flesh is. The mirror will show you how ugly your flesh is. The mirror of stark truth. And the mirror will show you the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And both of those things will change you if you let them. But it's not a change of, okay, God, <clears throat> let's see, I'm going to go ahead and count to 10. Abracadabra. Mm, I just receive it, Lord. Am I changed? No, that's not it. That's not it. God gives us allegories and analogies for change. And they're not standing there like this. Amen. The analogy that he gives us is that he will. Tear down the old house. Here's an analogy for change. He says to Jeremiah, Behold, I have an- I have appointed you over the nations to tear down, to uproot, to dismantle and destroy. And then he says, to plant and to build. So the analogy for change is not just kind of soak there. Hmm. Am I different? I don't know if I can trust God. I've gone for the abracadabra moment several times and it hasn't changed me. That's not it. That's not it. Here's what change looks like. God, show me who I really am. Oh, 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 but I got to keep looking. Oh, 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 that's so horrible, God. I'll never trust that again. I'll never uphold that again. I'll never defend that again. Oh, God, I don't want to look at it. Oh. Okay, but Lord, there it goes. I'm not a defensive person anymore. Bring your word to me. Amen. Here's here's what change looks like. I want to be more like that, Jesus. Help me to praise like that person. Help me to love like that person. Help me to show kindness like that person. Help me to be humble like that person. Here's what change looks like. Brother, brother, yes, yes. Do you realize you're smug, you're complacent? You're God-blaming. You're unwilling. Oh, yeah. Amen. God. Lord, help me to lay down this smugness. God, help me to repent of this. Jesus, I I renounce it in Jesus' name. God, make me free. Oh, God. I'll run if I must run. I'll get on my face if I must get on my face. I'll cry out in biblical terms with ear-splitting cries. I will tear my heart and not my garment but I will not stay this ugly thing that I am. I want to be more like this glory of God in the face of Jesus that I see over here. That's what change looks like. Change looks like stop being so stubborn. Change looks like do it like you've been instructed to do it. That's what change looks like. Off comes the panel. Off comes the wheels. You've got to totally remake this, Lord. This is not a little accessory to be added on. And so when people come and say, Lord, just give me a new heart, that's a good prayer. That's a good prayer. But what you need to pray is, Lord, make me obedient. Amen? That's how James describes the one who looks in the mirror. Make me obedient, God. Make me willing. Don't let there be a moment's hesitation of unbelief and resistance the next time your transformative word sounds in my ears. What is the transformation tool? What is the agent of transformation? Truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. You want to be changed? See it God's way. Believe what he says to you. Confess it accept it, pursue it, go forth in faith. Faith is not like, okay, I just believe you're going to do it. When the, when the blind man comes to Jesus and he says, he spit on the ground and he smeared mud into his eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Salaam. I mean, he could have said, Lord, the only reason I got to wash is because you made me dirty. Why do I need to wash? What about washing is going to help me? You know. You ask yourself, was there something magical in the clay? Was there something magical in the combination of divine saliva and dirt on the ground? I don't think so. I don't think that's it at all. I think God cannot give grace except to the humble. And humble simply describes someone who's willing to engage in obedience. And so he contrived means of engaging someone in obedience, and that's how they were healed. He told filthy lepers to go show themselves to the priest when as yet they had nothing to show. He created dirtiness just to have someone go wash it off because in washing it, they were acting in faith. And that man could have sat there and rationalized the mud in his eyes. And I want you to know something. Listen to me carefully. John 9, blind guy, could still be talking to this day about this idiot who came through and made mud. And told him to go wash it off. Yeah, a lot of people said they were healed about it. But I, the guy made mud and put it in my eyes and told me to go wash it off. I mean, who's going to do that? Who's gonna, what about mud is going to heal anybody? I mean, he, he could have gone home and, honey, do you have a rag? Oh, please. And he would have remained as blind as a bat until the day he died. It's not how you think it is. There must have been some little tension in his heart. He didn't know who this man was. He told the Pharisees that. But he must have felt something of God's presence as the Son of God speaks words over him. And he feels his hands rubbing this mud into his eyes. And he says, go wash. There must have been this tension. Am I just going to make a fool out of myself? Am I just going to go waddle down to this pool with with goo caked in my already blind eyes in front of everybody? Maybe there were snickers. Maybe there were comments. We don't know. But there must have been something inside of him also that said, are you willing to try anything? Are you willing to do anything? Are you so sick and tired of the darkness? Are you so weary of the sightless blackness that you would be willing to do anything? It must have been the same thing Naaman felt. You know, when, when God chose to heal him through obedience. And it's like dip once, uh, he not changed. Dip twice, not changed. No, I don't think so. I think by the time he got into that muddy Jordan, he was like, I need this. God, I'm going to humble myself. And if it takes 50 times, I am going to keep dunking under and dunking under until something changes. What do I have to lose? Amen. See, some of the... what What are change blockers? Change blockers, I need a miracle. That's a change blocker mindset. Change blockers, he's different because he had a different environment than me. That's a change blocker. Because there are people with a far worse environment who have every bit the change that you seek. Change blockers, let's see. Um, I'm just waiting on God. That's a change blocker mindset. I'm not really that bad. Oh, but then there's also, this is just who I am. Oh, that's one of the worst. That's one of the most common, huh? I don't want it to be fake. I, I don't want I it to be trust fake. not emotions and feelings. Yeah. I don't really feel any faith while going down to the the pool of Siloam, so I probably shouldn't go. Well, I don't care what you feel. Just go. That's faith. Faith is obeying God. Just get down there and do it. I bet you'll feel something as you start to see something. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. What are change facilitators? I'm responsible. There's the beginning of transformation. I am responsible. God is powerful enough. My brothers and sisters are supportive enough. And if I'll just stop being stubborn, I can be different. Amen. Amen. There's a change facilitator right there. Change facilitator. I want to imitate those who have the transformation I seek. Imitation is a great change facilitator. Somebody give me another one. Thousands that Pray. have gone before me before I can do it. Amen. Thousands. She said Ten th- tens of thousands have gone before me. I can do it. Amen. I'm not unique. The, the devil says, you are unique. You're not. No temptation has befallen you except which is rare and some oh no, just common to all men. You're just like everybody else. And everybody else thinks they're unique. And you do too. That just makes you like everybody else. Amen. But you're not. You're not unique. You're like everybody else, and you can change. Every miracle around you is empirical proof that you can be different the difference between that and you is your will thank you jesus i don't mean you can muscle it through in your will i mean you can break the will and release yourself to the grace of god and he'll bring you through okay so who wants an accessory and who wants transformation do you see the difference brothers and sisters we don't, we don't come to a meeting like this. We don't get in a conversation. We don't study our Bible. We don't do those things to get a brush guard put on our F-350. We do those things to turn our minivan into an F-350. Yeah. Y'all get my vernacular is a little crude, but some of our folks from other countries may be going, what's an F-350? Yeah. It's that big, huge truck yeah. that's almost like a semi. You know, that's what it is. <laughs> Amen. If I accept any excuse then I have not changed my mind and transformation is impossible. If I accept any excuse whatsoever, I have not changed my mind and transformation is impossible. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And if there is any alternative, if there is any other option, then it's not possible. It's only possible if there's no other option. Because if you can entertain any plan B... Amen. I want you to contemplate how difficult it would be to induce a responsible brother to transform a minivan. And you got to agree with me that if he had a 1960s pickup, he would sooner work on that than his minivan. Do you follow that? So if there is any other option at all in your mind, you will not be changed. But when you get to the place that said, God, this is who I am, and it's not right, and it's been molded wrong, and it's been colored wrong, and it's been based together wrong, and it's too short, and it's too... Everything is wrong. Amen. But God, this is who I am, and I will be different. Amen. One of the most powerful catalysts for change is confession. We are snared or empowered by the words of our mouth. Advanced studies have shown that human beings do not speak how they live as much as they live out what they speak. Your words set the course of your life. Don't be snared by the words of your mouth. Be empowered by the words of your mouth. That's what the man was saying when he says, show him to me that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, well, I am the one. Amen. Amen. God, I want to be different, don't you? Do you want to end 2022 just about where you are right now? Do you want to be different? Well, don't look for a brush guard and and a new light. Look for a shop that'll break you down and remake you into the image of the Lord.